At the end of January, Elon Musk grilled the CEO of Robinhood about the crazy trading in shares of GameStop. It seems weird that you'd get a sudden $10 billion demand three billion, three, three billion. in the morning. Sorry, how much? It was $3 billion U.S. dollars. $3 billion. Okay, $3 billion yeah, around. You know, just suddenly, out of nowhere. I wouldn't impute shadiness to it or anything like okay. that. They weren't on TV or an event stage. They weren't even on a podcast. Musk and CEO Vlad Tenev were inside a buzzy new app called Clubhouse. So what is it exactly? The next big thing or a flash in the pan? That's today on Brainstorm, the podcast about how tech is reshaping our world. Hi, everyone. I'm Michal Avram. And I'm Brian O'Keefe. Okay, so what is Clubhouse. I was hoping it was some kind of cool treehouse situation and you would climb up and like a few of your buddies would be in there, but then I realized it was another app. It was founded in April of 2020 and apparently the app only had a few thousand users back last May. It's invite only, so it took a little while to grow, but then it grew really fast. It's for iPhone only and you can actually buy invites. They're fetching a cool $100 on eBay. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Luckily, I am cool enough that somebody already gave me one for free. But no, seriously, it has really boomed. I mean, it came out right at the beginning, basically, of the, the pandemic. So everyone was suddenly at home, desperate for connection. And here's this new way of connecting with people where you you go into these chat rooms and you know people can have casual discussions people can lead discussions but the growth has been like exponential really over the last couple of months because it had less than a million users at the end of 2020 now it's got 10 million or you know probably more by now right the minute something gets popular it also kind of changes the you know how serendipitous it can be right and i think it's interesting because the growth while it's been really big and and fast you know when you look at it compared to other social media companies it's teeny tiny right facebook's got 2.8 billion monthly users we're talking about 10 million here we wanted to find out more about what this is all about and to that end we talked to fortune's danielle abril she is based in san francisco she writes about tech and we asked danielle to just start with the basics and educate us Think of like an interactive podcast. There are rooms that you can create to make it more of like a presentation. We're going to speak to these panelists, to these speakers, and we'll take questions. And so it's very structured. And then there are other rooms where it's just like, let's all jump into a room and just talk. One of the milestone moments seemed to be when Elon Musk, you know, appeared on it and did an interview. And like anything nowadays, if Elon Musk buys in, the entire world buys in. But so how important is Elon Musk or other, you know, celebrities that have really got the the momentum going crazy right now? Yeah, I think the celebrity aspect is really interesting because we talk about Elon Musk and you can talk about Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg. I think what's even more interesting is some of the celebrities that aren't related to tech at all that are getting on. So there are folks like Oprah and Tom Hanks and a bunch of rap stars. So it's really become Yes, this buzzy app in Silicon Valley where people talk about venture capital, but also, you know, these conversations about music and art and social justice. So it's really got this wide ranging appeal. And that's why I think it's just sort of doubling its momentum every time we turn around. 
So as it gets bigger, also, you see more problems, right? Like that's the way it goes with these kind of apps. So what is Clubhouse doing, if anything, that's different to make sure that this doesn't turn into, you know, another platform for harassment and trolling and whatever other nasty stuff goes on on social media. Well, the concerning thing about that is they are falling into the same mistakes that their predecessors made, which is starting the app and getting momentum before they were really ready for that, ready in the sense of they weren't ready for people to misuse it. So they didn't have the policies and structures in place to combat that right off the bat, which is a little troubling when you're talking about real-time audio because that's much harder to police than text where you have algorithms picking it up. Like, how do you proactively police audio? I think there's they still have a ton of work to do, which is kind of troubling because they are growing so fast. So, Danielle, I think it's safe to say that Michal and I are both newbies when it comes to Clubhouse. We, we're cool enough to have gotten invitations. So, you know, we're signed up, we're members, but we haven't used it much. Do you want to give us a little tour of how it works? We can all do it together and maybe get in a room. Sure. So you just click on your Clubhouse app. When you get inside, you should see a bunch of rooms already there. We're not going to yeah. go into those because those are live conversations that are happening right now. But I'm going to go ahead and click on this bottom green button that says start a room. I don't see your your room yet, Danielle. You didn't get my invitation? Oh, wait. Brian. Search for me. I'm here. Oh, you don't follow me. You need to follow me, Brian. Oh, I will search for you. <laughs> Once we were actually inside the clubhouse room, we just so happened to be joined by Fortune's director of video, Mason Cohn, and senior writer, Robert Hackett. I see Mason. Yay, Mason. Okay, Mason, I'm now going to invite you to speak. So I'm giving you speaking privileges so you're not just... No, don't don't give him speaking privileges. (laughs) Many people have been uh, struggling with whether or not to give me speaking privileges throughout the course of my life. Hey, Robert. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our clubhouse room where we talk about why we're on clubhouse. Danielle, how long have you been on it? Not that much longer than you. Actually, no. I've probably been on it for about a month or two. What appeals to you about it or how do you use it? So I don't use it mostly for like my own entertainment. But what I do use it for is like the other day I was just doing my job and somebody said, hey, guys, Bill Gates is on Clubhouse. And I just jumped on and listened to Bill Gates talk about what he's working on and what his thoughts are on crypto and what his thoughts are on climate change and everything else. So it's it's really cool in that sense. I do think there's some value in jumping into rooms and connecting with these people, hearing from these people that I wouldn't normally have access to. Robert, what do you use this for? Oh, goodness. Well, to be honest, I haven't found a good way to know when the good conversations are happening. So I haven't been using it too much. But when I have, it's mostly been for crypto conversations, as you can expect. And are they valuable? Or is it just a lot of people kind of wanting to hear themselves talk? There definitely is a lot of a lot of the, <laughs> the I mean, it's like talk radio. But what's good about it is the serendipity. You never know who's going to be there, who might be in the audience, who suddenly gets elevated as a speaker, and yet often get really good people to speak. 
I have sat in on conversations with Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase. Elon Musk has hosted some conversations himself. So there's always somebody interesting in the mix. Hey, you know what this feels like? A conference call. <laughs> okay, Michal. Well, we survived Clubhouse. I'm not sure we dominated Clubhouse. I'm not sure that anyone who just heard that is going to be like, wow, I need to sign up for Brian and Michal's room on Clubhouse. What do you think about it? I'm not particularly proud of our first foray on Clubhouse, but you know, I do see the appeal and I like that it's audio. I like that no one can see me. You know, I'm so sick of people seeing me all the time and seeing others. No offense, Brian, (laughs) but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I mean, there is something very focusing about just listening to people's voices. You know, it was interesting to, to dip our toe in the water there a little bit, but You can also see how there are a lot of these complications that Danielle outlined for us about policing the the platform and how there's a lot of potential for people to be abusive and how it's hard to track that. Danielle talked about how they're recording conversations so that if there's a problem, they can go back and check it out and look for users that might need to be disciplined or banned. But as powerful as it is to let people speak to each other, you know, when you're having random people come in, you don't know what they might say. So it's an interesting dynamic, but it's it's already you know creating a lot of conversation about how to handle this new way of connecting. There have also been complaints that Clubhouse is actually too closed, you know, that like certain conversations are off limits to certain people. And there have been instances of journalists, for example, getting blocked from certain rooms. So that's also something that the app needs to, to figure out over time. So Michal, Clubhouse is not just generating a ton of buzz. It's also bringing in big investments from the venture capital community. In January, it had a second round of funding led by Andreessen Horowitz that valued the company at a billion dollars. So less than a year after it was founded, it's already officially a unicorn startup. Yeah, it's gotten the Andreessen Horowitz bounce uh, in more ways than one. I mean, they've put a lot of money into this. But they've also got a bunch of their general partners on the app leading these conversations. So this is kind of Andreessen's baby. Yeah, Clubhouse has really gotten people excited across Silicon Valley. We wanted to hear from one of the early members. John Sakota is a founding partner of the venture capital firm Decibel Partners. He says that Clubhouse was the perfect app for pandemic life. It, it was the social network that we needed at the time. We all needed a place to find friends online. We all needed a place to have ad hoc conversation and serendipity. And that's how Clubhouse started. It had subsequently raised money and got venture financed. And then slowly over time, I think you started to see the network grow. You know, I, I remember once there was a Saturday morning and we got a notification and uh, you know, rooms would only have like a, at most like a couple dozen people in them at a time. And I remember Kevin Hart, who's a you know, famous comedian, he he joined one of our rooms on a Saturday morning. And the next thing you know, there was a couple, couple hundred people in the room. And that was one of the first times that I remember Clubhouse was changing from, you know, kind of a small, quiet conversation with your friends to, you know, much more of a widespread social network where, 
you know, anybody could join at any time. And there was a much larger audience. In those first uh, conversations you were having, like when Kevin Hart showed up, what were you talking about? Trust me, in 2020, there was always something new to talk about. There was news about the pandemic. There was news about the election. There was news about social injustice and Black Lives Matter. There was always something to talk about. Uh, I think when when Kevin Hart joined, it was fun. We, you know, he he was exploring the app, and and I, I remember that that was one of the other fun parts about Clubhouse was the the serendipity of just asking people what they were doing and where they were everyone's life became maybe much more connected and much more similar than we all wanted to admit. And that was, right. you know, part of what was the interesting thing about Clubhouse is perhaps at a time when the world seemed quite polarizing on other social media networks, because it was hard not to notice on networks like Facebook and Twitter, the conversations could get quite polarizing and it never quite seemed like everybody was on the same page. In Clubhouse, it was quite the opposite. Everyone was kind of doing the exact same thing on a Saturday morning because there wasn't much else to do. You know, I think the the surest sign that their business model at Clubhouse is working pretty well is that Twitter and Facebook are developing their own versions of a Clubhouse-like experience. So, you know, this is, it's not just Clubhouse succeeding. It seems to have created this format that other people think is going to be a big deal, at least for now, right? Well, I should say that there's becoming somewhat of a practice of larger social media companies emulating or copying the features of other successful social media apps. Uh, Sometimes that's been to tremendous success. Sometimes I think companies struggle with emulating these features and, and it's because the format is new and the audience is new and some of the natural advantages of the startups are that it's brand new and fresh and, and is starting with a clean sheet of paper. You know, I think in this particular case, there will be lots of competition. There always is. But Clubhouse seems to be doing all the right things to attract the right kinds of influencers, to attract the right kind of audience. And probably most importantly, they maybe have the, the luxury of having followed in the footsteps of others. So they understand how important things like content moderation are, and they understand how important it is to protect user data. And th- these are not necessarily the types of things that internet companies did 10 years ago. But now in the 2020s, it's best practices and it's demanded by users. And so they're in many ways, they, they get to leapfrog a lot of the mistakes that others have made. Right. So you're not an investor in Clubhouse, but from your point of view as an investor, you know, as a, as a VC who's invested in a range of different types of companies in the past and seen a lot of, you know, business models, if you're looking at Clubhouse and the growth trajectory that they're on right now, how do they turn this growing, this fast growing audience they have into revenue? How do they monetize it? How do they nurture it? You know, would you imagine what are the, the obvious opportunities for them? So if we look back, Brian, over the past 15 years of social media and social networks, they almost all grow through the same formula. So the first thing that everyone tries to do is focus on users and grow users in a responsible way. After you grow users, you try to grow engagement, make sure that people are spending as much time in the app as possible. And after you grow engagement, you begin to experiment with and then scale monetization and revenue. And so if you look back, whether it's TikTok or Snapchat or Twitter or Facebook before it, uh, everybody generally follows this formula. I think Clubhouse perhaps is a little different in that it is a more curated social network. So it is intentionally growing through invitation only. It's starting a little bit more slowly than others because 
it doesn't make as much sense to have 20,000 people all in a room talking to one another when only one person's voice can be heard at a time. So I think that they are rightly so focusing much more on getting the right kind of user growth early on. I, I think you'll, you'll see there be a very different mix of monetization in Clubhouse. You'll see a little bit of ads. You'll see a little bit of sponsorships. But I think you'll also see things like subscriptions and passes and tickets to, uh, you know, sort of more private events, which may be uh, a little different than what you see in other apps. I think tipping, for example, is, is something that they've already talked about doing. Uh, which would allow people to, uh, you know, sort of contribute to an influencer or an organizer of a club uh, and show gratitude and share support for that club member for administering and running a discussion on a regular basis. Okay, so Brian, I get that Clubhouse is at least at the moment following more or less the same trajectory as like Twitter or Facebook early days. But it's really hard to tell whether this is something that, you know, is going to really follow in that in that direction and get more mainstream traction, or if this is going to be like the next Friendster or MySpace, you know? I mean, do you think we're going to be talking about it in five years from now? Yeah, I think it's really, really hard to say. I mean, these are very early days. The growth they have right at the moment, the trajectory, the backing they have, they've got a cool name. They've got imitators, so it seems like they they really have you know put their finger on something that people are excited about, and it feels new, even if talking to each other isn't really a new thing. But I think it's going to be interesting to see if people stay with this post pandemic, you know, this kind of format. If management is able to scale it, I mean, that's always one of the big questions, and then how they're able to monetize their audience which is very tricky. You know, I mean, all systems are go right now. So I think they have a pretty decent chance of making this something lasting. Well, I realize nobody has a crystal ball, but um, we wanted to get a better sense of the staying power, the staying potential for Clubhouse. So I spoke with Ellie Sapir. He's the CEO of Apptopia, and it's a company that provides market intelligence on the mobile app industry. So as you can probably imagine, he gets to see a lot of data on a lot of different mobile apps. And I wanted to get his thoughts on why this one in particular seems to be so popular. They really cracked the virality aspect. They made it exclusive. You have to be invited in. Everybody wants an invite. So you, you got amazing early distribution. So the virality aspect of the app is, is uh, absolutely there. There are some really good creators on there. And, you know, you can be in, in a room and be talking to a billionaire and that doesn't really exist in any, anywhere else, right? You don't, you don't get to talk to billionaires every day. Um, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, the same interest is also going to create a lot of noise and a lot of people who you don't really want to talk to and you don't want to listen to. Uh, and so I, I believe that's the, that's the real challenge is they got distribution, but if it continues to grow, then the next thing they need to crack is retention. And that's where the verdict is still out on, right? Retention is going to either make or break this app for sure. So they're good at p getting people on, but it's the jury's still out uh, on whether they're good at keeping people there, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What about the question of monetization? You've seen so many apps that have stuck around. You've seen a lot of apps come and go. What do you think the trajectory is for Clubhouse? I believe that uh, Clubhouse could 
very quickly start to monetize when they're ready uh, with audio ads. The way it's set up, they could potentially provide the best audio ad platform out there for advertisers that are, are doing audio ads because they can tell them who's listening, how many people for each ad. They can see the demographics of the users to have the names information. So the data that an audio advertiser collects off the radio is nothing. They get no data back. They don't know how many people listen to the ad. They don't, they don't know. But on Clubhouse, they could get a tremendous amount of information, tremendous amount of targeting too. What you're talking about also means that at some point there's a little bit more organization that kind of becomes a part of the platform, right? Like right now it feels very sort of ad hoc. Like I know there are regular shows, but but it does feel like, you know, anything could happen, like who's going to start a, a room and there are all these disparate conversations for it to really attract advertisers. Is it going to start looking like a less user-driven platform or do you think it'll retain that? I doubt it will retain the user-driven platform. I think at the end of the day, 80% of the good content is going to come from from 20% of the users or even less. Uh, and creators are flocking to it because it's a new platform. It's significantly easier to become a Clubhouse star than, let's say, an Instagram star or a YouTube star. And if the creators are able to produce meaningful content and people keep coming back, then you'll have that dynamic like, like on every other platform like YouTube or uh uh, Instagram, etc. But again, the discovery is completely broken. You don't know what you're going into in a, in a room, and uh, this is going to be a big problem as they scale because it'll just it'll just be a bunch of noise. Can you explain the discovery issue? Yeah, um, you know the discovery issue is uh, you you open Clubhouse and uh, let's let's say you're only interested in communities about let's say tech or VC or healthy eating or yoga. I don't know, I'm making stuff up. If those are your interests and then you're seeing a community about something that you, you don't care about, uh, let's say marriage counseling or something, the content that you're looking for might not be available at the time that you're looking for it. That's a, that's a big problem because you're, you know, it's, it's a live social network. It only works when, when you're there. And if it's, if it's not working at the time that you're there, you're not using it. We're starting to see some of the larger platforms hearing rumors, at least about the larger platforms wanting to dabble in this area, which, you know, always happens. But do you think if that does take place and take off, do you think Clubhouse will be able to compete with them? I can tell you that if, if they do not fix the discovery and the uh, retention issues, and get really high quality creators and incentivize them to keep creating content, the staying power is just not gonna be there. We're already seeing a drop off. It's, it's kind of interesting because what you're seeing is you're seeing surges in downloads uh, and then drop offs uh, in usage. And so, you know, you, you're, getting a, you're getting a lot of downloads and probably a lot of invites, but the usage isn't growing as fast as the downloads, which is not necessarily a, a great indicator. So one challenge for Clubhouse with me, Michal, is, look, I've already got my Twitter addiction, right? Which I'm trying to control. And then I've already got, on top of that, my legacy Facebook and Instagram scrolling you know, addictions where I can just passively scroll through Facebook while I'm watching TV or pretending to listen to somebody. But they don't take up all of my mind share, maybe a little too much. But Clubhouse is going to demand all of my focus. If I'm going to go into a room or a conversation, I've got to listen to them. And it's on top of everything else. And I've got to 
give up my undivided attention. So how do they get around that? Yeah, I, I hear you completely. I think another issue, speaking of Facebook and Twitter and what's already out there, is that those platforms are also, you know, dabbling in the space that Clubhouse operates in and these like audio experiments. And they have this really powerful platform that is very sticky and addictive that are already in place. So um, I think there's going to be some significant competition that Clubhouse is, is going to have to confront at some point soon. But one of the things that Clubhouse does have going for it is that it's a club, you know, it's like this cool niche thing that's new. And I think once Clubhouse succeeds, if it does succeed and keeps getting bigger and bigger, it's going to lose that edge. You know what I mean, Brian? Yeah, I guess that's human nature, Michal. We all want to be a member of the club, desperately want to join the cool kids inside the club. But then once we get in there, we're like, eh, this isn't so great. I mean, they let me in. How could it be? <laughs> now what do I do? But you know, Brian, you could always sell those unused clubhouse invitations. I hear they're going like hotcakes on eBay, right? That's the word. Hit me up. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with more talk on how tech is reshaping the world. The Brainstorm Podcast is a production of Fortune Media. Our show is produced by Wyatt Orm and edited by Nicole Vergala. Music is by Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds NYC. Executive producers are Mason Cohn and Megan Arnold. Thank you.